Hey, Joseph, how's it going? How was your holiday? Quite good. I mean, we're in the middle of the holiday right now. Thanksgiving is done. Christmas has yet to happen. How, how, how about you? Oh, it's been, it's been busy. <laughs> it's yeah, been busy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got to say, I took a break from one episode and I feel like I've been gone forever. So I'm happy to be back. I can tell you that much. Well, this I'm so excited. This is our first pop quiz episode. We've been talking about this for months, and it's finally here. I've been very, very yeah. excited about it. So Tony is with us, our 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 pop quizster. <laughs> hey, Tony. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what my title is just yet. <laughs> so it is the 6th of December, and... Here in the United States, just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Thanksgiving. I trust the two of you had uh, a pleasant Thanksgiving with with quality time spent with loved ones. Yeah, I worked that day, but I did have I did have a good dinner. <laughs> now, it was a good holiday, but as always, these these last two months just uh, go from one to the other. It feels like there's no break in between. Yeah, 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 I hear you. Tony, we have got, we're going on an adventure. This is our first pop quiz episode. We're going to be covering, mostly covering uh, albums released in January and February of 1980, but we are going to detour here and there to touch on other topical things. The bulk of this episode, Tony will be quizzing Rob and I. Rob and I are going head to head, but to start things off, I have a a quiz question of my own. This is sort of an overview of, of January and February 1980 for here in the States. Earlier, we've talked about all of the new wave songs, and by new wave, I mean songs by artists that we cover in this podcast that made the U.S. top 40 in 1980. But what's over the last couple of months, what's What's really interested me is some of the songs that broke the top 100 but didn't make it to the top 40. In January and February 1980, there were five songs released, singles released by artists that we cover on this podcast that broke the U.S. top 100 but never made it to the top 40. I am going to list off eight singles. Ooh, okay. Five of them are the actual five that broke the the Hot 100. Three of them are ringers. So the ringers are songs that, ne- as far as I know, never, ever broke the, the top 100. Definitely okay. didn't do it in 1980. I'm pretty sure never did. The Hardest Part by Blondie. I don't like Mondays. 
by the Boomtown Rats. London Calling by The Clash. London Calling to the faraway towns. Now war is declared and battle come down. London Calling to the underworld. Come out of the cupboard. I Can't Stand Up for Falling Down by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Baby Talks Dirty by The Knack. Broken English by Marianne Faithful. What I Like About You by The Romantics. What I like about you, you hold me tight. Tell me I'm the only one, wanna come over tonight. Yeah. Oh, it's ringing my ear. Tell me all the things that I wanna hear. And Computer Game. Theme from the Circus by the Yellow Magic Orchestra. songs, which three did not break the U.S. Top 100? And while, while you're contemplating, I'll just read that list real quickly again for everyone. The Hardest Part by Blondie, I Don't Like Mondays by the Boomtown Rats, London Calling by The Clash, I Can't Stand Up for Falling Down by Elvis Costello and the Attractions, Baby Talks Dirty by The Knack, Broken English by Marianne Faithful, What I Like About You by The Romantics, and Computer Game, Theme from the Circus by the Yellow Magic Orchestra. I Can't Stand Up for Falling Down by Elvis Costello. I don't believe they made the Hot 100. I don't think the Yellow Magic Orchestra made the Hot 100. And then I'm down to either London Colin, Calling or Marianne Faithful as being my third choice. Okay. And I'm trying to... Because the clash was not huge in the U.S. So I, even though that's obviously now a, a big song, I'm trying to remember if it actually made the Hot 100. Marianne Faithful was just really sporadic with her hits. So I'm like, I don't remember her. I'm going to go Marianne Faithful. 
That's my third choice. What were your three again? It was the Yellow Magic Orchestra, uh, Elvis Costello, and the Attractions, and Marianne Faithful. That's great. Okay. Um, I am going to... Mine's a little bit similar to that. Uh, although, what I couldn't remember was about the romantics. So what I like about you, and I'm probably sticking my neck out there to be cut off. What I like about you by the romantics, uh, Broken English by Marianne Faithful, and Computer Game by the Yellow Magic Orchestra. Well, you're both partially right. The three, <laughs> the three songs off of this list that never broke the top 100 here in the United States is London Calling by The Clash. Uh, I Can't Stand yeah, Up yeah, for yeah. Falling Down by Elvis okay. Costello and the Attractions and Broken English by Marianne Faithful. Oh, funny. So, yeah. Yeah. Computer Games by the Yellow Magic Orchestra, it must have been just one of those like novelty um, things. So, so yeah, let's, exactly. let's pause here and just take a little longer of a listen to that song. I really don't see the the appeal uh, <laughs> the appeal of this song being in the in the top 100. So uh, I was just mentioning and just commenting that it's not even Pac-Man Fever, you know. Um, but I do recall this this <laughs> bunch of racket playing while we were skating around uh, the, the the roller skate. Wow! So you you're the only one of the three of us who ever remember hearing oh, this. Oh, I, I remember it very well. Yeah. I remember right? it very well. I, I, I don't think I'd ever heard it. In fact, I'm certain that I had never. Because you'd heard remember. It. <laughs> yeah. And Tony, you were you were saying that it reached number sixty here in the United States, right? On the U.S. chart, yeah. Yeah, I had no clue. That's definitely like a no novelty thing. Um, sounds pretty <laughs> awful to me, but I'm sure it was very cool at the time. Well, if you think that Pong was pretty popular at that time and kind of those computer sounds were like so futuristic, mm -hmm. that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. And I was yeah, obviously yeah. skating at a different uh, uh, roller skating <laughs> rink than Rob was. Yeah. All right, Tony. So I, th I think we're ready for the, the main event. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oh, hand boy. it over to you and Rob and I will get our thinking caps on. I'm already sweating here. Great. Thanks, Joseph. I thought a perfect way to start off the quiz is going back to the albums that you featured from January 1980. One of those was an album by Wipers, uh, an album that both of you really enjoyed, and I enjoyed listening to it on my own. So I thought uh, to start off the quiz, we can listen to a song from that album and the title track called Is This Real? Sometimes I get this feeling 
love the energy of that track. And it's, uh, like I said, one of the albums that I just did not know anything about until both of you introduced me to it. So re really appreciate that. Great. Yeah. So let's get into the questions. Like I said, they're going to be kind okay. of a variety. Here's question one. So Kate Bush was just inducted into the United States Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which of the following artists has not been inducted or even nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? So I'll give you four artists. One of them was, has never been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, I, I can tell you right now, the, the correct answer is, who the fuck cares? <laughs> well, that can be true, too. But <laughs> so already throwing out my first I'm question. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So the four possible answers are A, the B-52s, B, Blondie, C, Depeche Mode, or D, the Ramones. So, Joseph, I'll let you answer first mm -hmm. which of these you believe has never been nominated uh, or is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. B-52s, Blondie, Depeche Mode, or the Ramones? So I know that it's not um, Blondie, and I cannot imagine that the Ramones um, are, haven't been inducted. So that just leaves the B-52s and, and what was the fourth one? Depeche what? Mode was the third answer. Depeche Mode of B-52s. Okay, I'm going to say B-52s. I don't think it's right, but that's my guess. All right. Rob, what do you think? I'm actually going to say Depeche Mode. All right. So Blondie made it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006. Mm -hmm. Ramones, 2002. Mm -hmm. And the other band that is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Depeche Mode in 2020. Yeah. So the B-52s yep. wow. have never been nominated or inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So Wrong. That's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, my point. Horrible, it was it? Yeah. how wrong it is when you hear the list. So It's, it's a crime. Joseph uh, takes the early lead here. Question number two. In the deep dive episode on OMD with our guest Patrick, we had some off-air discussion on the impact of John Hughes' films on post-punk and new wave artists and whether it helped or hurt their careers in the long run. According okay. to the United States Billboard Hot 100 chart, which of the following artists had their biggest hit in the 1980s from a song that was not in a John Hughes film? So we're looking for a uh, song for an artist where their biggest hit was not from a John Hughes film. So here's your four choices. A, Oingo Boingo. B, OMD. C, The Psychedelic Furs. And D, Simple Minds. So which one of those four did not have their biggest hit from a John Hughes film? And Rob, we're going to start with you. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> it's, th there are areas where I'm like, no, that was in, that was in one, that was in one. Um, I am not remembering Simple Minds. I'm going to say Simple Minds. Oh, that's so wrong. <laughs> we'll try and kick it over to Joseph. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so can you yeah. list, list off those four bands? Again? Oh, certainly. So the, uh, the four bands that were all in John Hughes films, but only one of them did not have their biggest hit from a John Hughes film was Oingo Boingo. OMD, Psychedelic Furs, 
or Simple Minds? So it's either Oingo Boingo or Psychedelic Furs. And I'm going to say Oingo Boingo. I, I think Oingo Boingo had a, a bigger hit. Um, bigger hits than... What, what was the song that was featured in... Uh, Oh, weird science, weird science. Oh no, that that was that was a pretty big hit. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Oingo Boingo. It, well, impressive that you remember the songs. Um, so just to to work backwards here, obviously OMD's biggest hit in the '80s was "If You Leave" from Pretty in Pink. Right. Uh, Simple mm -hmm. Minds from The Breakfast yeah. Club, "Don't You Forget About Me" was the number one song. Ah, of course, duh. And in Jeez. the 80s, <laughs> Oingo Boingo's biggest hit was Weird Science. Oh, okay. Even even bigger than Dead Man's Party, huh? I don't know if that was a single, but it did not chart oh. anywhere oh, close yeah. oh. to Weird Science. Ah, that's funny. So uh, Pretty in Pink by Psychedelic Furs only reached number 41, mm. but their follow-up hit, Heartbreak Beat, went to number 28. So they actually had a bigger hit with a nah. non-John Hughes film in the 80s. Reached higher in the on the charts than either The Ghost You Knew or um, Love My Way. Yeah, amazingly, Psychedelic Furs only had one top 40 hit, and that was Heartbreak Beat. On the heartbreak beat Yeah, all night long And nobody don't dance on the edge of the dark So Pretty in Pink was our second biggest wow. hit. It went to number 41. All right, so speaking of the psychedelic furs, we did want to take a, a few moments to talk about Mars Williams, the saxophonist for the band from 1983 to 1989. Uh, he also played saxophone for the waitresses from 1980 until they broke up in 1983. And Mars passed away from cancer on November 21st, and he was 68 years old. Okay, so we're pouring one out. We're pouring one out for one of our, yeah, um, yeah, one of the artists that uh, certainly uh, made a big impact on on the music that we're talking about. One of the good saxophonists. <laughs> <laughs> I started to say, I, I know, jo Joseph, I know you enjoyed this there's saxophone. There's good saxophone and there's evil saxophone, and I'm happy to say that Mars was on the side of the angels. <laughs> Here, here, Mars. Yeah. With the waitresses, Mars was the saxophonist on I Know What Boys Like, which reached number 62 on the charts. Right, right. And then, um, you know, uh, I always say, like, finding good holiday songs is tough, but the waitresses Christmas rapping is probably another one of my favorites, which has, you know, just perfect sax by Mars. Uh, did want to point that one out too, but obviously he spent most of his time with the psychedelic furs from '83 to '89 on Mirror Moves and Midnight to Midnight until he returned back 
with the group uh, in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph, I, I know we've been talking about uh, the songs he played on with the psychedelic furs. Uh, anyone you want to uh, highlight here for the listeners? Yes. Well, we want to focus on um, an album that Mars was a participant in and a song where you can really hear his saxophone. So I singled out the song Heartbeat off of the album Mirror Moves. saxophone playing from Mars. Certainly one of the highlights from the 80s when we talk about saxophone players and just the mark that he left on both of these groups. And that, that song certainly highlights the fact. I, I, one of the things that really amazed me about Mars that I read about um, recently was he had been diagnosed with cancer last year, but he, even though he understood that it had become terminal, he continued to play with the Furs all the way through October. He had three performances with them that he did oh before, obviously, uh, he fell ill and passed away last month. But uh, just just an incredible Okay, artist. so once again, pouring one out for Mars. Uh, thank you for all of the excellent saxophone. You have redeemed the, the instrument um, um, and many, many excellent songs. And spoiled all the others for Joseph to, you know. <laughs> you're, you're right. He was a fantastic sax player, and I'm, I'm glad that you appreciate that. Here we go. Number three. A little bit of deja vu, but we just talked about four artists in the 80s and what their biggest hits were. One of those four artists actually just had the biggest hit of their career in 2023. And so the question I'm going to have for this group is, it's either an artist or a member of that group had their biggest hit this year, bigger than the hit they had back in the 80s. Which artist are we talking about? So the last time we went over to to Rob's, we're going to go back to Joseph. So same four choices. It's either Oingo Boingo, OMD, The Psychedelic Furs, or The Simple Minds. So either one of the groups or somebody from the group had their biggest hit in 2023. Which okay. one was it? Okay, define biggest hit. Oh, I'm sorry. So had the highest charting song on the Hot 100, the Billboard the, Hot 100. In the United States. In the United States. Okay, so so we are we are talking about position on the charts as opposed to units sold. Correct, yeah. This is in one week, this, yeah. this artist uh, or group 
had their highest charting position ever on the Hot 100 of Billboard in the United States. So is it Oingo Boingo, OMD, Psychedelic Furs, or Simple Mind? So basically the same four choices as before, but different question. Well, it couldn't possibly be Oingo Boingo. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know OMD just came out with an album this year. So I'm going to go with OMD. All right. I, no, no, that's not right. That <laughs> can't possibly be right. Um, uh, psychedelic Furs. Okay, That's Rob. A total guess. I am um, well. So, so Danny Elfman has been kicking out some killer music lately, but I still don't think he's on that. Uh, I don't think it's him. Um, I'm I'm going to jump out and say Simple Minds. The answer, believe it or not, is Danny Elfman mm. from Oingo Boingo. Oh, <laughs> wow! And <laughs> last month he reached number forty-one on the Hot 100 charts with This Is Halloween from the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. Oh. So because of the holiday, got played again, and for whatever reason, it reached its highest charting position ever, which actually charted higher than Weird Science. Boys and girls of every age, would you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see I don't even know if that's I don't even know if that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean I like I like some Boingo Boingo and I like Nightmare Before Christmas, but wow, that's, that's well crazy. with the with the the way that they figure out those charts nowadays, it's all about streaming and everything. Um I just heard recently that there was yeah. a some Christmas song because of streams from TikTok, Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree just went to number one this week. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. 40, 50 years after its release, 60 years after. Uh, 65. 65 years. So what was happening in the 80s on the Billboard charts and what's happening now are, so, I mean, it's not even <laughs> apples and oranges. It's like apples and dump trucks or something. <laughs> in the 80s, you were required to have a single to chart on the charts. So that's why I like songs like Stairway to Heaven never made the charts because there was never an actual you know, 45 single, it was only an album track. And since 1998, songs can chart if they're album tracks. And that's been the big change. So you have these songs that are years old oh, that are now okay. charting all over again. So you're right. I mean, that's why, you know, Danny Elfman around Halloween, all of a sudden starts, people start playing songs from uh, yeah. The Nightmare Before Christmas. And then Brenda Lee, because of these viral TikTok videos this week, this last week, uh, got her all the way to number one, which for a 78-year-old is pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 if you yeah you, and if you really want stuff that will blow your mind, I mean she's the she's at the oldest age to have a number one song, 
but she recorded the song when she was 13, which would have been the youngest age to ever have a number one song. Question number four. I think they're going to get a little bit easier. Uh, is the next one's about the deep dive with Jim Carroll. Hey, Rob, it's all so you, we'll my see. friend. <laughs> we'll see what we got here. The question is, which musical artist originally called Jim Carroll and signed his band to their first record label in 1979? Was it, here's your four choices, Barry Manilow, Elton John, Keith Richards, or Paul McCartney? I'm going to say we Keith Richards. We actually just briefly touched on this during the episode, and it is indeed Keith Richards. Did you say... Yeah, both of you are right. We actually did talk about it, right? Yeah, and I've got the uh, the quote from Jim Carroll that he gave when he talked about this story. He said, uh, Keith called him and said, hey, what's going on? Or the um, his person that said, hey, we got somebody on the phone who wants to talk to you. And it was Keith Richards, and Keith says, listen, man, we're going to do this album, man. I don't care if Mick gives me a hard time. I'm going to assert myself, man. <laughs> and, and then they made an album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, next question's about half of the members of the Buggles, mm. talking about Trevor Horn. Mm -hmm. He w went on to become an in-demand producer as well as an artist and songwriter. Uh, today, he is better known for producing many 1980s hits, and he's produced albums by many of the artists that, that have been featured on your podcast. Which of the following artists did he not produce for until 2023? Okay, so one of these artists... He did produce, but only this year for the first time. He's produced all four, but he didn't produce one of them until this year, correct? Got it. Okay. The four choices are Elvis Costello, Iggy Pop, Peter Gabriel, or Simple Minds. So one of those artists did not get produced by Trevor Horn until 2023. Well, I'm going to say Iggy Pop. Rob, what do you think? Oh boy, oh, um, I'm I'm just really just gonna guess on this. I'm gonna say Iggy Pop as well because I know he's he's been doing some stuff. I want you to hear this track because I actually love it. This is "Personal Jesus" by Iggy Pop. Trevor Horn released an album in 2023 titled Echoes, Ancient and Modern. Basically an album where he takes some old tracks and he brings new artists to cover them. So Iggy Pop came in and did Personal Jesus. 
And if the listeners haven't heard that version, you're probably wondering how did it take 30 years for them to make this song? Because I, I think it is absolutely a great track. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, talk about a song that probably doesn't need any more covers. <laughs> I mean, but Iggy's, I'm telling you, Iggy, I, I love hearing him do that song. Sure. But I mean, after, after Johnny Cash did it, it's, it's kind of like that should be, that song should be retired. <laughs> I, I think that maybe we should draw the line at Iggy pop doing a cover of all along the watchtower. Maybe that's where we'll stop. You know? So other tracks on, on Trevor Horn's album that he just released in this year, that you might be interested to hear is uh, he, even though he uh, produced it, owner of a lonely heart, the original yes track, he has Rick Astley covering oh, wow. on the album. Now Rick Astley or John Astley, Rick Astley, Rick Astley. Uh, okay. It's an interesting choice. Um, yeah. Mark Allman of soft cell covers. Love is a battlefield. <laughs> wow. By Pat Benatar. Wow. And Relax, which he produced for Frankie Goes to Hollywood, is covered by Toya, one mm. of the artists you featured in the February 1980 mm. yeah. episode. And I thought it'd be interesting. We, we heard Iggy Pop in 2023, but let's go back to 1980 to one of the albums that you featured, Soldier, and listen to uh, the track, I Snub You. I have actually heard this song, I don't know, four or five times over the last couple of months. And uh, every time I hear it, I, I get into the lyrics. There's not much going on as far as lyrics, but the background vocals are so interesting, <laughs> you know, just singing about I snub you. And I'm like, wow, Iggy, you must have been hurt, man. <laughs> But but I love it. I, I really enjoy this song. It does remind me of the Rolling Stones song, We Love You, the way he sings that chorus. But uh, yes. great track. And I think it's the one song written uh, or co-written with Barry Andrews of XTC. Mm. Yeah. That, yeah. Question number six. The August 16th, 1980 issue of Melody Maker magazine included this announcement. In last week's issue, this group was looking for a new bass player. This week, they're also looking for a new new keyboardist, drummer, and guitarist. In other words, <laughs> this group has split up. Which group was Melody Maker referring to? Okay, and this was 1980 which month? This was in the August 80 edition of Melody Maker. Got it. But they're talking about an artist that you... Featured on the podcast in January and February. Okay. So the four choices, Martha and the Muffins, Random Hold, Selector, or Young Marble Giants. So one of those four bands are mentioned in the Melody Maker, basically where they've broken up. Which one of those would it be? 
And this would be over to Rob. I, I remember during one of our last episodes, we were talking about a band that I thought was really interesting that, that didn't do anything beyond. Like they literally, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Young Marble Giants. My guess is Random Hold. Joseph's got it. Random Hold. They pretty much split up nice. <laughs> shortly after uh, their album release. Yeah. So there's there's no way that that young Marble Giants earlier were looking for a bass player, right? Because that <laughs> oh, that's was one true. of the brothers. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number seven. 1979. Mike Chapman was the first producer on the United States Billboard charts to produce four number ones in a calendar year by four different artists. Amazingly, it was also the first top 40 song by all four of these artists. Looking at January and February 1980, what's the album that Mike Chapman produced that was covered in the podcast and included this quote in the album liner notes? And it reads, this is what Mike Chapman wrote in the liner notes of this album. The songs are an assortment of feelings expressed redundantly as only this group can. This record is very dear to me and my bank manager. So which album did Mike <laughs> Chapman put that um, couple sentences in the liner notes? Is it the knack and with the album, but the little girls understand? Is it OMD and their debut album? Is it the Psychedelic Furs and their debut album? Or is it Squeeze and Argy Bargy? So this would be Joseph answering first. It's the knack. It's got to be the knack, right? We'll see after uh, Rob gives his answer. Yeah. Let's say the knack based on absolutely nothing at all. It was the knack um, that Mike Chapman produced of these four albums. Uh, we've talked about Mike Chapman before. You know, Blondie's kind of the the big name artist that he produced. Uh, both My Sharona and Heart of Glass are two of the big hits he produced in 1979, going into 1980. Mm -hmm. But it is Mike Chapman. Mm -hmm. So both of you got that right. So, and uh, wanted to highlight that you know the recent record store day that we just had for Black Friday that came out. Um, there was a special live album by The Knack, 1980. So you can buy that on vinyl finally. I know, Joseph, oh, cool. you've been, been waiting for that album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know um, what I thought might be interesting to hear is here's the live version from uh, that album that just was released of Mr. Handleman, one of the tracks from But the Little Girls Understand. Mr. Handleman, 
from their Record Store Day release, Live 1980. Our next question, question number eight, also about the Knack's second album, But the Little Girls Understand, features a album cover of Sharona from the My Sharona from the first album, who was dating Doug Fieger at the time. Post the Knack, what was or what has been Sharona's career the last 40 years? Has she been an accountant, a member of a Knack cover band, has she been a real estate agent or has she been a welder? It's it's obvious. Yeah. Obviously, it's just going to be a guess. So I am going to say, obviously, you haven't followed her career. Guess. So I'm just going to jump and say real estate. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Sharona, if you're listening. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say a real estate agent. Well, right, that, that was my inclination as well, but it really is truly just a guess. So. Um, just because it's so bizarre, I'm going to say welder. <laughs> so Sharona Alperin has been in Southern California selling real estate. Hmm. The name of her company? And welding the <laughs> exactly. hell out of it. <laughs> that was my flash dance <laughs> reference. The name of her real estate company is My Sharona. Oh, <laughs> Are you <laughs> so, serious? Wow. What's in a name? <laughs> it is five to four with Joseph. One question ahead. All right. Well, believe it or not, this is my third and final Nat question. So I know, Three um, Nat questions? <laughs> I know I could not get rid of these. I, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Just too f <laughs> the album may not have been one of our favorites, but I feel like the trivia questions I really enjoyed. So Doug Fieger helped an artist get their first record career by convincing Nax record label to sign this artist to a one record deal. Which artist is it? So I've got three choices in this case. So it's either... Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Christopher Cross, or Weird Al Yankovic. One of those three got their first record contract because of Doug of the Nats. I'm going to say Christopher Cross. Seems. All right, Christopher Cross. Yeah. And yeah. Rob, what do you think? I, I, I'm, going with, I'm going with Christopher Cross as well. It may be hard to believe, but Weird Al Yankovic was signed to Capitol <laughs> Records because Doug knew it. Oh. told them they need to sign Weird Al, and Weird Al in his interviews credits Doug as getting his first record contract. I recently heard Weird Al on a podcast with, uh, oh God, uh, Neil Brennan, and and they talked about his his career, and, and I don't know. I, I've got a whole new respect. I mean, I've always liked Weird Al, but I've got a whole new respect for him. That's cool. We got question number 10 here up next. So this question is about a musician at an after party. Walked up to David Bowie. And this is in 1980. And at the party, the drunk musician that walks up to Bowie takes the drink out of Bowie's hand and, and basically drinks it. And he says to Bowie, you can't fucking act, can you? David Bowie responds, 
I didn't ask your advice. <laughs> the musician says, I didn't give you any. And David Bowie says, uh-huh. And the mus musician walks away feeling deflated. Which of the following musicians <laughs> was at this after party and embarrassed himself in front of David Bowie? And all three of these musicians were at the party. So we have David Byrne of Talking Heads. We have Iggy Pop. Or we have Tim Butler of the Psychedelic Furs. Knowing Iggy Pop, there's nothing in the world that guy could do that would cause him in, himself embarrassment. I mean, he, <laughs> there's just no way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say David Byrne. <laughs> Iggy and David had, by this point, a pretty long relationship with each other. So that, and this behavior seems like somebody who wouldn't be, wouldn't be that close to David Bowie. I can't see David Byrne doing that. So um, that leaves um, Tim mm -hmm. Butler. Right. Your power of reasoning is correct. It is Tim Butler of the Psychedelic Furs. It was after nice. an Iggy Pop concert where David Bowie played the drums. And uh, David Byrne was also there. And it's rumored at this time that both David Byrne and David Bowie had offered to produce the psychedelic first second album and then this interaction occurred and neither one of them produced the second album so i don't know if that had anything to do with it or not <laughs> so i know we listened to the psychedelic furs earlier um, but i wanted to feature a song from the first album that that you covered the song that the furs played at the beginning of many of their concerts in the early 80s was Sister Europe from the first album. And I thought we could listen to that track. Stupid on a Steinaway, so sick upon a Steinaway, the sailors drown. See them talk and see them drown, see them drink and fall around. I'm happy to hear the psychedelic furs any chance I get, but this album is is one of my favorites specifically, and and this song is fantastic. Like, I've literally listened to this song, I don't know, I well twice today. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but I I don't know as far as as far as like a good '80s tune. It's just man, they were on top of it. So it's it's a winner for me. I love this stuff. The next question we have is about the group Jimmy and the Boys. It was a group that was featured in the 1979 year with their first album. And unfortunately, this last month, we just lost Bill O'Reardon, who was also known as Joylene Thornbird Hairmouth. Uh, he passed away on November 23rd. So Bill uh, was also known as Joylene. So I will use both of those names interchangeably when I talk about Bill or Joylene. Um, Joylene was a member of the Australian band Jimmy and the Boys. And the band was fronted by Ignatius Jones and keyboard player Bill O'Reardon, uh, who dressed up as drag queen Joylene Thornbird Hairmouth. Their two studio albums 
were not like everybody else from November 1979 and the Teddy Boys Picnic from July 1981. But it's certainly, if you've seen them on any of their YouTube videos, you know, they were very outrageous on stage. They had a top 10 hit in Australia with They Won't Let My Girlfriend Talk to Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, who was written, which written by Tim Finn that got them attention. So both Jones and O'Riordan uh, also formed a swing jazz cabaret band called Pardon Me Boys, and they released one album in 1988. So definitely a very varied career for both Ignatius Jones and Bill O'Riordan. Joseph, I know you were a big fan of the Jimmy and the Boys album. Is there a track you'd like to, to honor Bill with? Actually, Rob is, I, I, I like them just fine, but I think Rob is the one who's really connected You're at right. least with their first album. So I, I'm going to throw it over to Rob. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I am a big fan. One of my very favorite songs on the album is, is Other Side. Uh, so if we could if we could play that, I'd be I'd so be delighted. we are pouring one out for Bill slash Joy Joylene um, of Jimmy and the Boys. Like a deep sea reptile, I plumb the lower depths. Gray-eyed housewives, terminally depressed. Street light glare shows withering whore. Paint feelings from the lips won't get much anymore. Old woman coughs, smoke cheap cigarettes. Grimy migrants bore themselves to death. Aging queens gray showing at the roots. Squeezed into jeans and burn it all. I get a lot of I get a lot of joy out of listening to this band. So they're one of the original shock rock bands, or at least uh, I don't know, maybe the original in Australia. Um, you're right about their YouTube videos; they are outrageous and a lot of fun. And it, it kind of surprised me that Tim Tim Finn was that who you said that wrote wrote their the song? Uh, yeah, my girl. They they won't let my girlfriend talk to me. Yeah, it it surprises me that he wrote that song because it just doesn't sound like something I'd attribute to him. But it's Jimmy and the Boys all over, so. remind everybody about who Tim Finn is. He was um, started out with uh, Split Ends and then later went mm -hmm. on yep. to, I think he's his most famous stuff was here in the United States was with Crowded House. At any rate Jimmy and the Boys is great. I Other Side 
is, I don't know, it's it's right up there. One of my top, probably top three songs on the album. That was a that was a fun album. Another band that I knew nothing about until being introduced by the two of you to the to their album. So, uh, and I did a uh, I did a deep dive on Joylene slash Bill's career this past week, um, knowing this was coming up. And and there's some YouTube videos where Joylene is being interviewed on a common talk show in Australia, and it's just like nothing else is going on. It's just. You know, every day this is what happens, and Joylene is absolutely over the top. She puts on a puts on a great show. You know, Bill went <laughs> on to be a performer, sometimes as Joylene, sometimes as Bill, uh, in, in different uh, stage plays, and in many times, you know, there were very provocative storylines. He never kept it safe, and so we certainly want to pour one out for him. Nice. Here, here. This actually a question is about Joylene, uh, Hairmouth. And you may not know this, but in 1980, she ran for the Australian Senate. Well, I don't know anything about Jolene, so any information you give me <laughs> about her uh, will be new to me. So, <laughs> Well, and, and she actually got a decent amount of votes in that uh -huh. election. Uh -huh. But my question for you is, mm -hmm. which party did she run as a uh, candidate for? Was it the Democratic Party? Was it the Independent Party or was it the Marijuana Party? And all three of those were actual parties that ran for Senate. I actually remember watching some YouTube videos where uh, on a talk show, the host was asking Joylene about the election and how it's going. The thing is, is I don't remember what party she ran for. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Independent Party. I'll say the Marijuana Party. <laughs> Just to shake things up it's a total it's <laughs> total guess it doesn't seem like it would be the democratic party so and, and, and it isn't the democratic party uh the democratic party in australia got seven percent of the vote marijuana party got half a percent of the vote and the independent party which was joylene got 0.2 percent <laughs> of the vote or i think it was around four thousand votes um she referred to it as the cocktail party mm. <laughs> rather than the independent. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah. <laughs> and we had a third passing that we wanted to pay tribute to. Um, Shane McGowan of the Pogues. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is a big one. Oh yeah, boy. the Pogues hadn't been featured on the show yet, as you know, most of uh, their career really was more towards the middle of the 80s and late 80s. And while U2 is typically the Irish act that most people think of, you know, the Pogues were considered an Irish Celtic punk band and wore their her Irish heritage on their sleeves. In my opinion, the Pogues were right up there in putting out some some very unique, uh, fun, and also, uh, I think, some, some music that made you think and listen to what uh, Shane McGowan was saying, because I, I really uh, enjoyed the Pogues and didn't learn about them until later, but certainly a very talented uh, and, and fun band to listen to. Shane was in intensive care the last couple of months, was having some severe health issues. He had just gone home, I think just around Thanksgiving, and uh, unfortunately uh, he passed away at home on November 30th. Yeah. There are a number of songs by the Pogues, but certainly the one this time of year a lot of people think about, uh, and for me as a holiday song you don't get tired of hearing, is the fairy tale of New York. 
that the Pogues did with Christy McCall. They got cars big as bars, they got rivers of gold. Put the windows right through you, it's no place for the old. When you first took my hand on a cold Christmas Eve, you promised me Broadway was waiting for me. You were pretty queen of New York City When, when the, the band finished playing They held up for more Sinatra was swinging All the jokes they were singing We kissed on the corner Then danced through the night The boys of the NYPD choir Were singing Go away play And the bells were ringing out For Christmas Day Again, pouring one out for another great um, It was... Boy, it hit social media like crazy when Shane passed, and uh, it came to me right away. But I got to say, one of the most touching things about it personally to me is that uh, a dear friend sent me an email saying that she didn't know who she could reach out and commiserate with uh, because of Shane's passing, uh, besides myself. And... She, uh, this, this friend of mine, Margaret, I'll go ahead and point out, she's a listener. Um, she lost her dear husband a while back who also was a good friend of mine and, and I thought very highly of, but she said that, uh, Mickey and, and she used to dance to the Pogues in their, in their home together. And, uh, they're both punk rockers from way back. So, uh, it was, you know, it was a real touching that she just wanted to like share with me this this thing and and how it made her sad that Shane's passing made her made her made her very very sad so at any rate here's one going out to Shane and and of course uh Margaret for you know for being touched by the by the pogues the pogues and and Shane uh, were obviously truly iconic in um the UK and Ireland, especially, and in Europe, um, not as popular here in the United States, but still pretty iconic. I mean, we all, all three of yeah. us were very familiar with his name and with the Pogues. Of course, the Pogues debut album comes out in 1984, and so uh, we will certainly cover all of um the Pogues output, um, you know, w when we get to it, but, but yeah, this is, this is a big one. I mean, he's, he, he, even here in the United States for, for people in the know who love this kind of music, uh, definitely iconic. Uh, the three artists we've talked about tonight, the, the best way I think to honor them is to listen to the music they left us. Uh, and, and really all three left us with such great music and great albums. Um, you know, the, mm, there's certainly absolutely. Spotify playlists for Shane that you can listen to for his solo work, which I was looking at. And Irish Rover and What a Wonderful World were two of the top tracks. So, so a number of cover songs as a solo artist. But if you look at the Pogues, uh, besides Fairy Tale of New York, we've got Dirty Old Town, Rainy Night in Soho, and many other songs. We watched our friends grow up together. And we saw them. As they fell Some of them Fell into heaven Some of them Fell into hell I took shelter 
from a shower And I stepped into your arms On a rainy night in Soho The wind was whistling all its charms Just listening to uh, to his music and what he left behind. Yeah, yeah, a, a guy who who always had um, a lot on his mind. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely a troubled soul in a lot of ways, but uh, uh, you know, left us with some some really good music. Yeah, yeah. So my next question is about Shane McGowan and the Pogues Excellent. and their 1985 album "Run Sodomy and the Lash." It was produced by an artist that was featured this year on your podcast who produced that album, which I believe was their second album for the Pogues. Actually, it's my uh, my favorite. Uh, was it Elvis Costello, Iggy Pop, or Trevor Horn? Well, there is no way that Elvis Costello got through the 80s without producing a Pogue album, I don't think. I mean, that seems like an absolutely natural fit. So I'm going to go with Elvis Costello. Don't think it was Iggy Pop. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Elvis as well. Yeah, and one of the clues might have been, hey, this is my favorite album by the Pogues, knowing my love of Elvis Costello. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's Did correct. Iggy Pop really produced that much? I He produced some, but not not for the Pogues that I could find. <laughs> right, but, yeah. But just overall, I mean, did he produce a lot of albums? It seemed to me like he was he was a little too fucked up to be a yeah, good producer <laughs> go ahead <laughs> yeah go ahead and say it joseph <laughs> yeah um you're right about that <laughs> we're on uh question 13 and this one's about lydia lunch ah excellent oh, there you go right on so featured in, in february 1980 on the show with her album queen of siam one of the covers on the album is Gloomy Sunday. Sunday is gloomy with the shadows I spend it all. My heart and I have decided to end it all. Soon there'll be candles and prayers that are sad I them not weep, let them know that I'm glad to go. Death is no dream, for in death I'm caressing you. Gloomy Sunday was banned from BBC Radio Play until 2002 due to its content and history, um, also known as the Hungarian Suicide Song. Uh, there was a lot of lore about it and people committing suicide and even the songwriter committed suicide. And so the BBC had banned it from playing on, on the station until 2002. Huh. It's also a popular cover song by punk and post-punk artists. Mm. Besides Lydia Lunch, which of the following artists have not covered Gloomy Sunday? So of these four, only one has not done a cover. OK, 
Okay. The B-52s, Elvis Costello, Soft Cell, and Marianne Faithful. And Art, just to be clear, we're talking about like recorded songs that were released. Correct. These were all released on albums, on various albums, albums okay. whether they were on, oh, okay. you know, the artist's album or whether they're on a compilation album. Got all it. of these did covers of the Gloomy Sunday and put them out on some sort of media. Okay. So I, I think that Marianne Faithful did, and I think that. Elvis Costello did. I'm not sure about the other two, so I'm going to guess the B-52s. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be, be the B-52s. If, if the B-52s did a version of Gloomy Sunday, I would know about it. <laughs> and you oh. both are right. It's B-52s. Oh, good. <laughs> Let's try not to make every question difficult. <laughs> Our question 14 is about Toya and her okay. album that you guys oh covered called Cheap Farming in Barnett. Yeah. On the cover of the album is a picture of several randoms, something I learned after this album was covered. A random is a structure, weatherproof enclosure that protects a radar an antenna. I had no clue that was out there, but that's what it is. Huh. There are three randoms in the picture for the album cover with Toya's head and hair representing a fourth random. So basically the, the cover is supposed to show the three, and then the fourth one is Toya's head because it's kind of this uh, blonde uh, hair, spiky blonde hair, uh -huh. to look like the other three. <clears throat> so they actually took that picture at a uh, security site that had those randoms on it in the English county of Yorkshire. What happened to Toya and her crew after that picture was taken? Your three choices, Joseph. A, mm -hmm. the security guards detained them and escorted them off the site after the picture was taken. Or B, one of the security guards that chased them off the security site later became Toya's fu future husband. Or C, to avoid security, they had to hide inside of a random overnight and woke up inside the random surrounded by sheep in the morning inspiring the album's title <laughs> let's say number three so they were hiding inside the random that's your choice sure all right rob i'm i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say that they were there overnight waking up to being surrounded by sheep and that's okay so you're going with the same about. one as joseph Cause, yeah because that just that I mean, that sounds too perfect, the, the <laughs> title. I mean, it, it does. It sounds great. It sounds like that's the way to go. Actually, the answer is the first one. The security guards detained them and escorted them off the site. Oh. Well, that's the least it's fun the answer, Tony. I know it is. That's what I, I was coming up with some funny answers. I mean, I'd, I'd almost rather her get married to the guy that chased him off the, <laughs> off the property. <laughs> she actually married Robert Fripp of King, Cr King Crimson. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, very cool. Toya has a YouTube page. She posts a video every week with Robert where he's playing guitar and she is singing some crazy songs. Like she'll just pick a random song and sing it in her own style. Oh, got to check that out. <laughs> We're doing our last question here and tallying up the score before this last question. We've got Joseph with eight questions, correct? And uh, Rob with seven. 
So ZZ Top credits the introduction of synth sounds in their Eliminator album on such classic 80s tracks as Legs, Sharp Dressed Man, and Gimme All Your Lovin'. As a result of meeting this artist or band that performed on the same episode of the Old Grey Whistle Stop in the UK back in influenced ZZ Top's album? Was it A, Gary Newman, B, Kraftwerk, or C, OMD? Well, I feel like I'm being set up here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, the obvious answer is OMD because we've, well, yeah. Yeah. So I, I I gotta go with OMD. I'm gonna I'm gonna hover. Let me let me think about this. Gary Newman Craftwork OMD. Um I'm gonna I'm just gonna go crazy and say Gary Newman. And it is OMD. Yeah, okay. We mentioned that That, they would play electricity. That's so interesting. Yeah, they'd play electricity during, you know, the uh, their concerts right before the concert would start. That would be one of the albums they would play as people were filing in in uh, 1980 and that was inspired by them meeting OMD and really enjoying the music and uh Billy yeah. Gibbons deciding when they made their Eliminator album that they were going to include more synth sounds rather than kind of the blues guitar that they had been known for. Mhm. Uh, yeah. to, and you guys totally did talk about that in the episode. I yeah, do remember hearing that. To be clear, yeah. it was the the full album, um, OMD's first album. Yeah, um, true. Not yes. just yeah. electricity that they would play in between sets, uh, which just seems insane to me. But, you know, God bless them. <laughs> you, yeah, you love what you love, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our final question. So with the final answer from Joseph, he does take the lead. Nine to seven is our first official pop quiz winner. 1980. Congratulations, Joseph. Nice. Feeling good. Good job, Joseph. Yeah. (laughs) That was fun, Tony. I appreciate that. Thanks. No, thank you. Thank you for uh, indulging me and going through these questions hopefully everybody learned a little bit about the artists that you guys have been talking about yeah covering. yeah i mean i think we have already even i tonight, learned a lot know, just... are you kidding <laughs> yeah well yeah. this was this was a lot of fun we we got our first pop quiz um under under our belt so one takeaway from this for me is that i'm gonna go back and listen to yellow magic orchestra's uh, <laughs> uh, computer game um <laughs> and uh and think and about go, roller skating yeah go, i was gonna say go 
strap on your roller skates and roller skate around the apartment <laughs> as you're listening to it. Yeah. Well, and and just to let you know, I went roller skating. I, I didn't actually roller skate a whole lot. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any final words, Joseph? Uh, many final words. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> We are recording this on the 6th of December. It's going to come out, we think, if all goes, all goes as planned, about the middle of December. So this is the last episode that we will release before Christmas. So we, of course, want to, to wish everybody um, a very, very happy and Merry Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Our upcoming schedule, we're not going to jump back into our regular schedule until the second half of January. So we are um, going to jump back into March of 1980. Rob, you and I have had a couple of conversations about oh, March of 1980. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that you're more jazzed about it than I am. I am... This I'm, is going to be a rough one for there's me. There's some gems in there. <laughs> yeah, no, there's some gems in there. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but I'll be honest, really what I'm excited for is the transition from March into April. Like, mm -hmm. I really feel like things mm -hmm. are gearing up right now. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're only getting bigger from here, so it's going to be fun. Well, February was stellar, stellar output. So, so March is just the universe balancing itself out. I mean... <laughs> if if you love scruffy punk, then March 1980 is for you. Yeah, and I and I do. Yeah, and there's some good scruffy punk in there, but there's just so much of it that it's a little too much for me. But you know, we got gotcha. it coming, and so um, stick around after the fade out from uh, of this episode. We will list the albums that we will be covering for March of 1980. That will those that will both of those episodes will come out the second half of January. The good news is we've got a couple more episodes um, during our holiday break that will come out. So as I mentioned in the OMD episode, so Tony, you and I and Patrick, we had like a marathon four <laughs> hour plus um, recording session. So holy smokes! Time. Yeah, I was. <laughs> it was insane, crazy. But so mu so much great content that we had to um, cut out for time. Uh, so that will be released uh, next, um, either the very end of this month or the very beginning of next month. And then we've got our first mailbag episode. Um, coming sometime in the first half of January as as well. So as we record this, Thanksgiving was had has just pretty much just happened. And uh, it was actually on Thanksgiving Day for whatever reason I was well, <laughs> I was thinking of um, things that we were thank I was thankful for and specifically thinking about the the podcast. And so I came up with a little mantra of gratitude, which um I I I 
think I would like to sort of become part of our sign-off for each episode. Um, uh-huh. So I want to run this by the two of you, and I, I'm sure that you concur with the sentiments, and we'll just we'll we'll see whether or not it becomes a permanent fixture. Um, you know, we typically start off each episode with a little disclaimer about our opinions, and um, I just kind of want to reinforce that um, I think it's appropriate for the conversation that we've had tonight, but is appropriate for just about every conversation that we have about this music. So, Yeah, if you uh-huh. say keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars, that's already taken. Oh, no. <laughs> this is, this is not, not nearly as pithy um, and to the point as that. <laughs> okay. We've talked about a lot of music tonight, and regardless of what our personal tastes may be, the very fact that we're discussing this 40-plus years later places its creators in the highest echelon of hardworking musicians. Their legacy and legitimacy are beyond reproach. These people have brought joy and comfort to countless teens and recovering teens, for nearly half a century, and for that we thank them. Their art has made the world a better place. Here, 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 here. Uh, it's absolutely true, one hundred percent. Whether we like the band or not, we wouldn't be talking about them if they weren't loved by a lot of people. So, yep. Okay. Any last thoughts before we sign off? Keep your feet on the ground and. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> Tony, you you have chosen a song for us to go out on. Uh, what'd you pick? Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Rob and Joseph, for allowing me to to be here on this episode and and get to ask these quiz questions. We came in with Wipers from January 1980, and we're going out with one of our favorite albums from February 1980. And according to iTunes Music, this is my most played album of 2023. It's Colossal Youth by Young Marble Giants with the song Brand New Life. Okay, everybody. Hopefully we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. See ya. Thank you. Albums we'll be covering for March of 1980 are The Cramps with Songs the Lord Taught Us, Slaughter and the Dogs with Bite Back, Slits, Bootleg Retrospective, MX80 Sound, Out of the Tunnel, Cockney Rejects album Greatest Hits Volume 1, and Sports with Suddenly. Stiff Little Fingers with Nobody's Heroes, the pop group with For How Much Longer Do We Tolerate Mass Murder, 
four out of five doctors with their eponymously titled debut album. Berlin with their debut album entitled Information. The Mekons with the Mekons, a.k.a. Devil's Rats and Piggies, a special message from Godzilla. And John Cooper Clark with Snap, Crackle, and Bop. <laughs> 